and then we'll dim them here in a little bit. Well, for those of you that are joining us online, we also want to welcome you and say a very Merry Christmas to each of you and all of you in the sanctuary today. I just want to share with you a story before we have communion together. As Christmas of 1914 drew near, the nations of Europe were at war. Anxious to expand and defend their borders, they began to summon their best and their brightest to the battlefront. And young men all over the world began to answer the call to war by the millions. A 19-year-old German boy left his job in London to enlist in the German army. English boys working and studying in Hamburg and Paris returned to London, put on their uniforms, and went back to fire upon their former friends. Secretary of War Lord Kirchner expanded the British Army overnight by allowing schoolmates to enlist together. The tragedy of these battalions was no more evident than at Somme, France. Hundreds of villages there on both sides lost almost all their young men in one single battle. The little pay book that every British soldier carried included a last will and testament, and thousands of those booklets were collected and found on the bodies of those young boys. And many of them read simply, I leave everything to my mother. With hardly a backward glance, the promise of youth was poured into the blind and futile aggression known as the Great War, World War I. The new century brought a new kind of warfare. Field commanders quickly realized that digging in was the only way to survive the sweep of machine gun fire. The German army had marched across Belgium before being stopped at Flanders Field, and some 60 yards away, British, French, and Belgian troops languished in trenches that were infested with rats and lice, and they were pelted with freezing rain and shrapnel. As temperatures began to drop, disease began to take hold. Snipers picked off anyone who would raise their heads above the earthen wall. The war was but four months old. Each side would lose thousands a day, both to bullets and to that silent common enemy, influenza. Between the opposing trenches was an area about the width of a football field, and it was known as no man's land. Littered with barbed wire and frozen corpses, It was a sobering reminder of what the future might bring. Soldiers who survived later recalled their dead brothers being gathered up and literally stacked like cords of wood. And by war's end, over 10 million would be lost. Not surprisingly, given the circumstances, most of those soldiers were religious and many were Christian. On Sundays, communion would be passed out in trenches on both sides, often to the sound of church bells ringing in nearby villages. The occasional hymn was sung, and youthful voices were heard across enemy lines. Well, by December, the war had slowed, and there were hopes for a quick resolution, but it faded away. And as the soldiers contemplated their desperate situation, nights grew long and hearts yearned for peace. On December 23rd, a group of German soldiers quietly moved to the ruins of a bombed-out monastery. There they held their Christmas service. 
Later on that night, a few Christmas trees, tannenbaums as they were called, began to appear along the German fortifications, their tiny candles flickering in the night. Across the way, British soldiers took an interest in those lights as they sang together the carols of their youth. A word began to spread, and heads peeked cautiously over the sandbags at the now thousands of tannenbaums glowing like Christmas stars. Two British officers ventured over to the German line and against orders arranged a Christmas truce. But the negotiation was a mere formality by then because up and down the trenches, men from both sides already had begun crossing the line and joined the celebration. Lieutenant Sir Edward Hulse assaulted the enemy with music. In a letter to his mother, he wrote, We are going to give the enemy every conceivable song from carols to Tipperary. Well, the Germans responded with a Christmas concert of their own, and it was not long before the cold air rang with everything from Good King Wenceslas to Auld Lang Syne. And for the next two days, those tidings continued to spring from the hearts of common men who shared the common bond of Christmas. Further down the line, a German violinist stood atop his parapet, framed against the skeletons of bare trees and shattered fortifications, delicately perched in this desolate landscape, His cold fingers conveyed the poignant beauty of Handel's Largo. Whatever the spirit of Christmas had been before that hour, it was now, above all, the spirit of hope, of peace. Well, Christmas Day dawned over the muddy fields, and both sides cautiously picked their way through the barbed wire. Side by side, they began burying their dead. A German officer known only as Thomas gave Lieutenant Hulse a Christmas gift, It was a Victoria Cross and a letter which had belonged to an English captain. Lieutenant Hulse responded by giving the German officer his silk scarf. One German retrieved a photograph of himself in uniform and asked his former enemies to mail it to his sister who lived in Liverpool. Men who had shot at each other only days before gathered in a sacred service for their fallen brothers. Prayers were offered and the 23rd Psalm was read. 19-year-old Arthur Pelham Byrne, who hoped to study for the ministry after the war, ended, remembered. The Germans formed up on one side, the English on the other, the officers standing in front, and every head was bared. Yet, I think it was a sight one will never see again. As the Christmas of 1914 drew to a close, soldiers who sang together, played together, and prayed together returned to their trenches. They must have felt reluctant to let that common ground between them become no man's land again. But as the darkness fell around them, a lone voice floated across the few yards of earth on which they had stood together. And in the true spirit of Christmas, one voice, then another, then another joined in. Soon, the whole world seemed to be singing. And for a brief moment, the sound of peace was a carol everyone knew by heart. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And that's the way it was, one silent night over a hundred years ago. And that's the way it can be again, as each of us will just simply embrace the message 
of that silent night. We're going to dim the lights. And as we dim the lights and I light your candle, I want you just to look around and see the effect that lighting a candle will do. And this is literally what happens if we will all do this. You know, I'm, I'm amazed at uh, some of the streets that we walk, uh, those that are lit up and then those that aren't. And you know what makes the biggest impact to me, just looking at Christmas lights, is when everybody on the same block has all their houses done. There's nothing like it. There's something that it's like when a house is lit here and three or four aren't lit and then there's another one there, you just kind of want to go by that street and go to the one where they're all lit up. And I believe that's how God wants us to be. We're going to go ahead and let's turn the lights completely off just to get a little bit of the idea of what this is going to look like. Those of you that are watching online, this might get a little dark for you, but we'll light it back up. And just stay on your aisle, whatever section you're in, just stay in that aisle, please. Don't forget to kind of look around as things light up. Jesus told us that we're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, you can't really hide your light if you're shining. It always reminds me of the story I read about the old church back before electricity. When they built the church, they built it with little uh, little alcoves in the wall. And uh, they put a hook there. And then they asked every family to please bring your lantern at service in the evening. And if they did not bring their lantern, because everybody was assigned a little nook, that area was dark. And it's really a, an example of what it's like if we don't let our light shine. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. In church, we are. We are the answer to what ails this country and this world. It's the power of God. Well, as candles are lit, I ask you now to just take the bread. The Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus... In the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread after the supper. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When Jesus came that night, that silent night, and he was born and placed in that manger, the ultimate was that he was going to die on a cross for our sins. Would you take this now and just raise it? And let's pray, Lord, bless this to me. And let me be your body on this earth. As we break it, 
Lord, we pray that you would multiply us. And we pray that you would multiply our efforts as we reach those with the gospel of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's break and receive. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The blood that he shed was purposefully given. And really, even prior to the cross, he had already begun to sweat. The Bible says that it was like drops of blood. He was experiencing such intense feeling, and his body was reacting. There's literally a medical condition that that happens in, and it's extreme, extreme stress. Jesus knew he was going to die, but he said, not my will, but yours be done. And When we go into this next year, I pray that that will be our prayer. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, if it's inconvenient, not my will, but yours be done. If it's stressful, not my will, but yours be done. Amen? Would you raise this to the Lord? Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for coming. We thank you, Lord, that you already received upon yourself everything that you're going to give us. And Jesus, we thank you for walking, living, moving as a human and experiencing what we experience because your word says, Lord, that you became human. And Lord, as you did, you can identify with us. Lord, I pray that you'd bring peace and help us be peacemakers. And Lord, as we receive this cup, we pray, Lord, that our sins would be pure or would be forgiven and we would be pure. And Lord, that there would be nothing between you and us and nothing between us and others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. I don't know about you, but to me, this is much more meaningful and satisfying than Santa Claus and Christmas trees. Well, don't get me wrong, I like Christmas trees and I like all that goes along with it, but this is the reason for the season. And I just want to thank you for all of you coming out today on this Christmas Sunday and those of you that are watching online, taking the time out of your Christmas day because this is really what it's all about. God bless you. I love you. I thank you for being with us and go ahead and uh, very tenderly blow out those candles. And then you can drop them back in the basket as you leave today. God bless you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Those of you online, thank you again. Merry Christmas to you. We love you all. God bless. We'll see you next Sunday. No discipleship, 10 a.m. service. God bless you.